This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. Now, I admit I am not the go-to authority on anything about aquatic plants. In fact, you'll be best served by asking, like anyone, like your non-aquarist neighbor, the dog groomer, or even the barista at your local coffee house, you know, questions on aquatic plants before you even think of asking me for advice on them. I mean, seriously, this should hardly come as a surprise, as any kind of surprise to you, you know, those of you that know me personally. I'm not really known for lush, pristine-looking, meticulously planted aquariums. I know, that's a shock. Now, I have kept plants many times over the years, and I think the last time I had real plants was when I did it like an Asian themed blackwater aquarium that that did have some plants but it just really didn't ignite my passion for some reason um, I, I don't know what Ricardia from Aricia or Rickia or however the hell you pronounce it and it really doesn't bother me I appreciate aquatic plants I love looking at planted tanks if somebody planted a tank for me and gave it to me and people have offered I would do that that would be cool I just have no desire to set one up uh, they don't make my heart, you know, skip a beat with excitement. I love people that do planted tanks. I like reading about them, but I just, I don't know, estimative index, eh, dry start, whatever, Wallstead method. I mean, this stuff blows my mind, but I just fail to get excited. Might as well be speaking another language. So yeah, that's my jam on aquatic plants, if you will. That being said, there is one plant, well, a tree actually, that grows in aquatic environments, which I have become obsessed with over the years. Enter the mangrove. Specifically, the red mangrove, Rhizophora mangle, the one we'll focus on here and refer to as the mangrove for the purpose of this podcast. Now, it's hardly what you'd call an aquarium plant. I mean, it's a freaking tree. That being said, the mangrove is this amazing tree that certainly has applications for aquariums, specifically brackish aquariums and marine aquariums. Now, without going into a long, long recap of what mangroves are and how they function, you can Google this stuff and get tons of hits with more information than you could ever want. You can go back and look at the, the, the blog, uh, the tin blog and podcast. We've talked about mangroves before, but let's just say that mangroves are a group of trees and shrubs which live in the coastal, you know, intertidal area zones in warm, muddy, and salty conditions that would simply kill most plants. They have these specialized organs which allow them to filter out sodium, absorb atmospheric air through their bark, and generally dominate their habitats because of these and some other really remarkable adaptations. There's like a hundred plus different species which are found between tropical and subtropical latitudes near the equator um, because they're pretty intolerant of cold temperatures. Mangroves put down what are known as prop roots into the mud and silt in which they grow, giving them sort of the appearance of walking on water. These root tangles help them withstand the daily rising and falling tides and the slow the movement of the water, allowing sediments to, you know, sediments to settle and build up at the bottom contours and the local ecosystems where they reside. So they're really important. The, the intricate root systems that they have not only protects the coastlines from erosions, it pro, you know, plays host to this huge number of organisms from fungi to bacteria to crustaceans to fishes. The fishes use the mangrove habitats as a feeding ground, a nursery area, and a place to shelter from predators. So you get it. Well, how do we use these trees in an aquarium? And wait a minute, you're talking about a tree. What the fuck? Okay, well, I am. 
Now, first off, before you start going off on me about their unsuitability for aquariums or some ethical implications for their removal from the wild and all that stuff, let's talk for a second about how we acquire them and how they grow. First off, removing a growing mangrove tree or seedling from the natural environment is unethical, illegal in many areas, at least here in the United States, and essentially idiotic. No one should even consider doing that, period, end of discussion. That's just dumb. Rather, we acquire mangroves as propagals, which are buoyant little seedlings which grow through the fruit and can produce their own food through photosynthesis. When the propagals are mature, they fall into the water and then they can remain in like a dormant state, withstanding desiccation and floating around in the currents for more than a year. So they can float until they find a suitable anchorage. And when it's ready to take root, a propagal will change its internal density to float vertically rather than horizontally to make it more likely to root in a suitable sediment. It's pretty interesting to see that. As aquarium people, we start with these free-floating propagals, which are abundant and legal to collect in places like Florida, where adult plants are protected from the harvest or pruning. The advantage of propagals is that they can be stored in a moist environment and easily shipped in a damp paper towel or plastic bag or whatever and stored that way for extended periods of time. So once you have these little pickle-like propagals, that's what they look like to me, they look like little pickles or cucumbers or whatever, how do you use them? Well, first off, you don't need to root it. That's one of the first mistakes a lot of people make. They, they take the propagal and they stick it into the sand. No, no, no. You simply need to anchor it in the water column in sort of a vertical position and allow it to extend its roots on its own down towards the bottom at its own pace. I've typically done this in relatively small containers of water, like a jar, a vase, or a pitcher before transitioning it to... Uh, in the aquarium, but you can start it in an aquarium. You know that the propagal is ready to transplant when it becomes a seedling, with little roots showing up at the bottom and leaves beginning to unfurl on the top of the propagal. You can sprout the propagals in all sorts of light conditions, typically even room ambient lighting, as like in a windowsill, which is what I do, and that'll do the trick. You can use fluorescent, you can use LED or other aquarium, you know, rated sort of full spectrum daylight lighting that'll do it. Of course, the part with the leaves needs to be anchored above the water line. You know, people ask me that question regularly. It's not an aquatic plant. Remember, it's a tree. Like everything we do in the sort of natural style aquarium game, you need patience, diligence, and observation. That's essential when keeping mangroves. So they're not super fast growing. They grow slowly. Now, if you're using an artificial light source, be sure to mount the light well above the container or the aquarium where the mangroves are kept. This not only results in a more natural looking growth form, it keeps the leaves from literally growing right into the right into the light and just frying themselves. I've done that many times over the years when I used to use metal halide lighting. They would grow right up to the halide and just burn up, which is kind of stupid. Now, once they're placed in the aquarium, you should anchor them near the water surface, not in the substrate. I said that already. As I discussed many times before, I've chosen to attach my propagals to mangrove root pieces in my brackish water aquariums, and that looks pretty well, pretty cool too. You can do all kinds of things with it. Allowing the roots to find the bottom for themselves, that's really important. This will encourage the growth of a strong, almost woody prop system that these trees are really famous for. Now, it may take many months for them to achieve, you know, touchdown and penetration into the substrate, but they will, and a stronger plant ensues as a result of allowing to do it themselves. That's really important. Now, one little word of advice. Be sure to sprout your mango of propagal in the same water conditions that you'll be keeping them in in the future in your aquarium. In other words, if you started in salt water, you know, if you start sprouting it in salt water, grow it in salt water. If you brackish, grow it in brackish, fresh, grow it in fresh. They categorically don't adapt well to changing habitats once they've begun to grow. That's one of the leading causes of death, in my opinion, for mangroves when hobbyists get a hold of them. You buy a seedling, 
you don't know what kind of condition it was in. Maybe it was in salt water and you put it in fresh water or vice versa and thing peters out and dies over time. So it's really important to do that. Now, what kinds of substrates should you use? Well, keep in mind that they come from muddy, sedimented, nutrient-rich environments in nature, so they can handle just about anything. I've personally utilized everything from marine you know, biosediments to aragonitic sand and mixes of pond soil and other kinds of things like that. You can mix in peat and all sorts of substrate enhancement materials to you know, provide sustenance and proper rooting for these really hardy trees. A little online research can yield a lot of great ideas about what kind of substrates they come from in nature. And of course, if you want, we have a substrate that we've mixed up that uh, consists of a bunch of sediments and minerals and so forth called mangal, which is going to be debuting here on Tenon Aquatics probably in the next couple of weeks. So, or, or you could even get it now. Here's a word of the wise. If you want to order one of our other nature-based substrates, you could do that and just shoot me a little you know, email and say, hey, Scott, could you substitute for mangal, even though it's not actively available on the site? It's, I can get it for you. Not a problem. <laughs> now, the beauty, the little commercial aside, the beauty of mangroves is that they're pretty hardy, which bodes well for their care in the aquarium. You need to do a little more than illuminate them, anchor them in a vertical position above the substrate, and mist the leaves down on a regular basis. That's pretty much it. The process of misting them, by the way, helps to keep dust and salt buildup, which is exported via the leaves, and insects off the leaf tissues, because that way they can photosynthesize effectively. Now and again, we'll often hear arguments that keeping a tree in an aquarium is kind of crazy. Now I admit a full-grown mangrove tree is virtually impossible to keep in a home aquarium. I've been keeping them for many, many years. I don't know anybody that's ever grown a full-on tree more than a few feet tall because they grow incredibly slowly, reaching houseplant-like sizes after sometimes more than a year or so. And with frequent pruning, you'll see that they can be maintained in an almost kind of bonsai-like size indefinitely while putting down extensive intricate root systems that you know the ones that they're so famous for so you can actually really encourage a lot of root growth and still keep the, the tree relatively small now one of the cool benefits of maintaining mangroves in an aquarium much as in nature is that the roots will recruit and foster the growth of microorganisms fungi and algae and other epiphytic life forms providing a foraging place for fishes and the ability to contribute to the you know the biodiversity and the healthy function of your aquarium ecology it's pretty cool in addition, they drop leaves regularly, and the leaf drop, which they're known for, accomplishes the same thing that it does in nature. It helps provide uh, leaf litter, which encourages the growth of the microorganisms and the other life forms, and tints the water via exudation of tannins and humic substances, which we know about, and encouraging the following leaves to accumulate and decompose in the aquarium is pretty cool, and that's what I do. <clears throat> now, notice I didn't talk about utilizing mangroves as a nutrient export mechanism in your aquarium. Now, yes, they can absorb nutrients, but it, this is one of those things that reef aquarists, aquarists talk about for years, you know, growing mangroves to create like a, a supplemental filter of some sort. It's kind of an absurdity because it would take so many mangroves, like more than your tank could ever accommodate, many, many years to provide any kind of notable nutrient export effect on your tank. So rather, we choose to focus on their unique aesthetics and their ability to foster the growth of other beneficial life forms like the fungi and microorganisms and so forth. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, sure, we can probably go on and on about keeping mangroves in your aquarium, and I probably will again. But I hope this little superficial quick start, you know, hey, get a mangrove, learn about them, uh, little podcast will encourage you to research more about them and try them in your aquarium. If you're fascinated by these amazing, really adaptable trees, you can obtain them legally and responsibly. And if you're up for the challenge of keeping them over the long haul, 
Mangroves are a fascinating and attractive addition to a specialized natural aquarium. I would love to see more people playing with them. We're going to talk a lot more about these. We're going to talk a lot more about brackish in the coming months too as we uh, you know, hit our stride and uh, as I'm able to set up some more uh, aquariums to show you, we'll do maybe some step-by-step video and things showing you how to do a, a brackish aquarium. A lot of people have asked, so we'll talk about that botanical-style brackish pretty soon and some other ideas. But anyway, um, I hope you've enjoyed this little intro to mangroves. And until next time, stay curious, stay patient, stay resourceful, stay diligent, and always stay wet. This is Scott Feldman from Tenant Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tenant.